Hi, everybody. Welcome to Revolutionary Rams. This is our episode of Redcoats versus Yankees. And we're going to be talking about who is to blame for the start of the American Revolution. Hi, I'm Lisette. I'm Jordan. Hi, I'm Tariq. Hi, I'm James. So it's going to be Lisette and Tariq versus Jordan and James, with Jordan and James being the Massachusetts colony and me and Tariq being Britain. So one of the things you could probably start off with is talking about the taxes. All right. Um, no, I think taxes are a pretty key issue here. Um, just because uh, I think a, a big issue here is just how they were levied, um, in, in particular in terms of their equity, which was a, a major issue that um, a lot of Americans and especially a lot of people in, in the Massachusetts colony uh, uh, felt, felt were a considerable issue. Um, like a lot of the taxes um, were actually structured so that they would promote only buying British goods. It, it, it geared trade towards Britain and, and really, really did not benefit um, average um, colonists. So I think when we're looking at a lot of these tax policies, they were really, really structured to to be great for the British, but they weren't particularly good for the colonies. So it was it was um, especially like in terms of manufacturing, in terms of trade of, of sugar. Um, I, th I think this is a big issue is, is just equity. What what was the purpose of a lot of these taxes? Um, so to answer that question, um... Before the Stamp Act, the UK had a very laissez-faire um, attitude towards the colonies. Uh, taxes were not enforced, although the laws were there. And the English were not really um, trying to get anything out of the colonies. They were allowing them to live their own private lives. However, after the war with the Spanish, the English were in need of the support of their colonies. And when it came to it, applying taxes and pushing their products forward, although it would only take um, a small a chip out of their, their overall debt, they were in need of that support. Um, and so for the colonies to, to resent the English for placing a tax, although they were the rightful owners of the land, and for them to resent the English for enforcing something that they've allowed um, the Americans to go thus far without having to pay, um, I believe was a large cause of the war or the revolution. I feel like also a, a big point on that is once I obviously like the colonists were used, like you said, to not paying taxes. So like all of a sudden, once these were placed on them, they were like, we don't think we should be paying these. We don't think we should have to pay something that all of a sudden you threw on us after you got yourselves involved in a war that we didn't have any say in. And I think that goes a lot back to the fact that the colonies had no say in the government that was putting the taxes on top of them. Like, yes, obviously you are a part of Britain. You are a colony. You're not your own country at all. But if you are part of that country, I feel like to some extent you should have a say in that kind of government. That's what the colonists felt as well. They shouldn't, they felt like they shouldn't be getting um, taxed or put any kind of constitutional rights on top of them when they had no say in the people enforcing or making new laws for that constitution. 
Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, that the sentiments felt by the colonies were very real. But part of the reason that the revolution was caused was because of the reaction to the taxes became violent and very physical as opposed to diplomatic and just trying to negotiate. The reaction to the taxes was rioting against the British officers, which definitely led to more of a fighting revolution rather than just a negotiation. I think the first, like the biggest point that we have to pay attention to though, is that the first acts of um, resistance against these taxes was civil disobedience. Um, They just weren't being paid. It didn't turn into riots or actual violence until officers were sent to make sure these taxes were being paid. And that just to the colonists felt like even more an infringement on their rights, having to open their homes and change their entire lifestyle because there was martial law on the streets. So I think that they felt to some extent that they were just being treated even more unfairly, not only were their rights um, to privacy being infringed on by getting their homes open to people they didn't know and strangers, but also they couldn't even walk the streets anymore without being tracked down by the British government. That's why they turned to violence. I think this is a, a good point here is, is that really, I mean, if we look at who introduced violence, I mean, the British army sent thousands of soldiers to Boston um, when I think the, the population of Boston was something like 15,000 at the time. And I think they sent 2000 soldiers to camp on Boston Cotman. I mean, I, I think sending military force really sends a, a pretty harsh message. Especially to a country or colonies, I should say not country at a time, that has no form of protection on its own. Like its protection is that British government and it's being sent in to pretty much control everything they're doing. Well, if you take it from the point of view of the English, um, the United States or the Americas at the time was their colony and it was within their rights to ask for taxation. Um, And so when they began to enforce taxes, and it wasn't until there was um, a refusal to pay and damaging of goods until they sent in soldiers. And so I believe that it was warranted. And to put this into into a modern view or into context, I believe that it would be similar to a U.S. territory like Puerto Rico uh, deciding not to pay taxes or deciding that it needed a say in how the United States government works. And I believe that if they did decide to do that today, um, that the current U.S. government would have a very similar reaction to what the, uh, the English did in that first they would begin with a diplomatic view, but then as any country would, uh, similar to China, Tibet, um, with Egypt and um, Northern Egypt as it came with the uh, Israel war, uh, countries are very reluctant to lose land and are willing to go to war with it, especially if those living in their territories begin to revolt against them. And they were beginning to revolt against them There was even an informal handbook written by Daniel Devaney that was handed out in New England encouraging colonists to revolt against the British, which shows how they planned to overthrow British rule even before the violence started. When the war was beginning, the majority of um, colonists were still loyalists to um, Britain. So the small, honestly, the minority at that point can't really 
like the minority does not speak for all of the colonies. Obviously in this case, um, the minority ended up turning into a majority by the end of the war, but that's because a war had begun with the British crown against the minority of patriots in the colonies at the time. So I feel like using that as like a judgment of, oh, America was gonna start, it wasn't America at the time, the colonies were gonna start the war to begin with, um, is kind of miscalculated only because I don't think you can consider it the colonies when it wasn't the majority of the people who were living there at the time. Although I can say that some people were a lot more extreme than others at the time, which obviously this man was. He clearly really wanted to be free <laughs> at a time when I don't think a lot, most of the colonists did. Although I do agree with you uh, that they were a minority, um, this still proves that it was the the American colonies that, sorry, it was the American colonies that started the conflict. Um, and it was their priority to create a new government, a new country. And so even if they were a minority, the fact that there was this ideology uh, within the Americas uh, shows that they were the ones who sparked the war. Uh, furthermore, uh, I believe another reason that a lot of the states remained loyalists was because uh, the English government still had large influence over who became uh, governors and who the governments were within the colonies. Um, however, I believe that the majority of the citizens uh, were against England even at the time. Um, and especially seeing uh, New England rise up, seeing Virginia rise up, gave them the ability to rise up and overthrow the governments that were placed by the English. I agree with Tariq that the majority of the people, especially in New England, were more for American independence. It's going back to what Tariq said about the British appointing officials, such as the governor, you can see in Massachusetts that Thomas Hutchinson was run from his house. There were burnings of warehouses, and there was even a dummy of one of the British appointed officials hung from a tree. It shows that it wasn't majority of the people were loyalists, but more the official people that we read about from primary sources rather than the common people. I think it's easy to say though, that that's a majority when that's the stuff that's publicly happening. Like, I feel like because a lot of loyalists like were loyal, like they're not going to riot and they're not gonna picket or burn effigies because they, don't need anything to change. Um, whereas the Patriots at the time and the ones who wanted to separate and be free, uh, really, they're the ones who needed to make a statement. I'm not necessarily saying that the way they did it was the greatest idea, um, but the reason they seemed like the majority is because they were the ones who had to go out all the time and be written about in newspapers because they were the only ones making news because they're the ones who wanted to make a change. I do want to point out here too, you know, when you think about it, right, for people to want to burn things, um, to gather in large groups and, you know, maybe um, burn um, the, the collection of stamps or a warehouse or what have you, they have to be pretty angry. Um, and I think from that we can deduce that clearly something and clearly the 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 actions provoked by uh, the british government and parliament were such that they were angry enough to do this sort of thing um and I, I to be quite frank 
I, I think when we don't offer uh, substantial representation to common people, as, as was the case at this time, they had to find other means of expressing themselves. To quote Jefferson here, uh, you know, at some point, the, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. So really, at, at the end of the day, there, there has to be some point at which um, flames may be spilt. <laughs> Going off what James said, and that these large groups were coming because, as you said, they are feeling like something's wrong, like the British government has brought them to this point, but do they really know that something's wrong? Or are all these people just reacting to really intense media that's telling them to revolt and go off like that pamphlet that we mentioned earlier and also popular books like Thomas Paine's Common Sense? So I think that's the thing when we're looking at Paine, we have to uh, recognize that, you know, he was reflecting on some pretty rough stuff going on in the colonies. I mean, uh, if you look at, uh, quite frankly, what happened with the Boston Massacre, I mean, you had 2,000 or so British soldiers in Boston and numerous altercations between um, Bostonians and these soldiers. Uh, culminating in in the the terrible deaths of five individuals who I have listed here: uh, Crispus Attucks, Patrick Carr, Samuel Gray, Samuel Maverick, and James Caldwell, um, with three others who were injured, um, probably very very badly. Um, when we look at an event like this, I mean, there hadn't even been a war declared and we're having considerable violence being perpetrated by the British army in Boston. Um, and it's, it's, it's very difficult for the, the colonists to actually oppose this in any substantial way. Um, they've already submitted petitions, they've already demonstrated, um, they can lobby parliament, but, but it, 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 it's, it's a heinous act and it's 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 difficult not to sympathize um with the colonists in boston when their their very countrymen were being slain in the in its streets the way that the the boston massacre happened was that there were two guards at duty um they were being harassed by a group of kids um, at which point uh, the kids were attacking the guards and one of the guards, I believe, either hit or shoved one of the kids, at which point they were uh, confronted by a group of adults um, and a, a small garrison came out from down the street uh, where the, um, the, the English were held up to defend these two men. At which point uh, people started uh, trying to, to, to physically do harm, trying to kill the guards, uh, which is why they opened fire. So keeping in mind that the representation and images used in court were not correct, um, both in terms of geographic location and both in terms of uh, timeline of events, um, that the entire Boston massacre was 
provoked and started by the Bostonians, not by the English, um, because they were mostly defending themselves. I can agree that they were defending themselves, but not to the extent that they did so. I do not agree um, in any sense of the word that they were trying to kill the soldiers. I think that's a little extreme. They were trying, they were harassing them. And one of them did, one of the angry mob people did throw a rock that hit a soldier and that's what caused him to fire. But he had specific orders not to fire on the crab simply because they were unarmed. Um, a rock does not equal a rifle regardless of the time period. Um, obviously back then they don't have the weapons we have now. I feel like that's a little extreme. If you really were trying to get a message across, you could have sh shot your gun straight into the air. I'm, I guarantee you the fighting would at least subside for a second. I don't think shooting into an unarmed crowd is a necessary response for getting a rock thrown at you. Um, with that said, did, should they have done that? No, but I don't think that the British's response was okay, especially since they were all armed and the mob had nothing on their side going for it. I feel like the punishment did not fit the crime whatsoever. And I think this is an important point when we're, we're considering the, the legal circumstances of this. Um, I mean, you can't administer the execution of five people on a, on a street corner in Boston um, simply because they've gathered in a, in a, in a large group. Um, and it's important to uh, recognize here that there were regulations around demonstrations at this time um, where there'd be a, a formal reading of the Riot Act by civil authority, but this wasn't done. Um, so they, were, they weren't given any sort of notice, um, any legal notice that they should disperse. Um, there really was no um, sort of civil representation or control of, of this army. And this is this is part of the issue is if you is the British army dropped thousands of troops what well, well landed thousands of troops into Boston and there's very little civil control so it's it's difficult to to have a crowd really re listen to them when they have their own representatives um, as as part of the um, the lawsuit that happened um, or, so not the lawsuit, but as part of the trial that happened after uh, after the fact, um, a quote was broke uh, was brought up um, where several members uh, of the uh, um, the American mob uh, were yelling at the the English soldiers, "Fire, damn you! I dare you to fire!" And uh, there was a man uh, named Palms who nearly missed Preston's head and struck him in the arm instead. Um, he was trying to do severe damage uh, because I believe he swung a, a crudgel uh, at first. Um, and I believe that this also happened after the, uh, the brawl at the, uh, the Boston Harbor um, where soldiers were trying to find work. Um, and so this isn't an unprecedented uh, attack uh, where they were they were aiming to kill people. You have to keep in mind that at the time tempers were flaring uh, due to the recent brawl and due to the uh, fights that were happening in town. Um, so when you've had fights where soldiers have already been injured, uh, some soldiers were in in med bay in hospital, um, and all of a sudden people start swinging metal tools at your head. 
um, and throwing stones. Uh, I believe it was said that uh, there was large, there was a lang, um, which, uh, which was the reason for the first shot, because they believed that the Americans were shooting, even though they were not. There was a large, there was a loud, a loud bang that was heard, um, which, uh, which is why a, a soldier decided to shoot back. And also keep in mind that this was also after um, the petition to the king and a few other documents were published throughout Boston. Um, so people were already highly displeased with the Redcoats being in town and they already wanted a fight to begin. And I believe that the Boston massacre was simply an excuse for the Americans to finally be able to fight back against the English. Though, I mean, if, if we're considering fighting here, I mean, I don't think there's any recording of, of, any, of any injury or death on the part of the British soldiers at this altercation. Um, but we had, what's it, five deaths and three injuries on, on the part of the colonists. So I, I, um, I mean, I, I think if it was, it was such a considerable danger uh, to the soldiers involved, I, I feel like there would have been some injuries on their part. But Although there were no injuries on this particular, um, on this particular day, uh, there had been in the past weeks uh, several instances of soldiers ending up in hospital or severely wounded. Um, several records from uh, the English uh, from the English army have been sent back uh, to England, um, containing lists of injured men and fights that have been happening uh, within Massachusetts. And so, although none of them were injured that day, I do believe that it was a mistake for them to fire without give, being given an order. Uh, but at the end of the day, the soldiers were in fear. So I think we all agree that due to the colonies being accustomed to their own self-governments and Britain's mismanagement of their own colonies, we can conclude today that the war was not any one side's fault. Both sides contributed and made mistakes, and the American Revolution would have inevitably started no matter who is to blame. That was our episode of Revolutionary Rams, Redcoats vs. Yankees. Thank you everyone for listening. Bye!